A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. There's probably a a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are God's by faith in his son. <laughs> Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 317. That's the victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. <laughs> <laughs> right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name. Get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign risen king Who doesn't owe you one cotton picking thing And yet he still promises to furnish his disciples But we take what he's created and we turn him into idols I'll never back down, so how can I keep it in? But you'll never see me preaching the sin of TBM Yeah, spirit and truth is worship viewed in this chemistry But, but some are spewing distorted views of the Trinity Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to The Master's Dog, Episode 8. I am your host, The Evangelical Norm. So, y'all know the deal by now. Um, We're going to look at a video or some kind of theological issue and talk about it. That's what we do. Uh, When God's Word is attacked, I begin to bark. And, uh, and that's pretty much the premise of this podcast. So multiple podcasts come out during the week and it just really come depends on what it is. The one you can always count on is, uh, Thursday morning, which is our response to the saints unscripted and their faith and beliefs podcast that they put out, which is where this all started. Um, it started out being called faith and beliefs refuted. And they decided they were going to do this little podcast where they started with the Articles of Faith, the LDS Articles of Faith. And then now they just go through different uh, LDS theology issues and apologetics. And so David um, does his absolute best to defend or um, present the LDS belief and then 
I do what I do and I uh, tell you how it either does or does not line up with uh, the Christian worldview. Um, and so uh, last week he talked a little bit about plagiarism of the Book of Mormon and this week he is also going to be on kind of the same topic um, just from potentially a different book and defending the Book of Mormon against, excuse me, the charge of plagiarism. So let's go ahead and jump into it and let David do what David do and we will uh, just go from there. So here we go. All right, guys, so a lot of people believe the Book of Mormon is true and a lot don't. People who think the Book of Mormon is a hoax have been scrambling for almost 200 years now trying to figure out how this young farm boy named Joseph Smith, whose own wife said he couldn't write nor dictate a coherent and well-worded letter, could have possibly produced it. Some critics propose that Joseph but his own mother talked about how imaginative and the stories that he would tell as a, as a boy um, and that the majority of the Book of Mormon, she had mentioned that he knew all those characters a long time ago. So, yeah, um, whatever Emma says about not being able to uh, compose a letter, I mean, that's just, just outright wrong because as you've seen, um, the different, I mean, he didn't write it. He dictated it. Um, and, uh, as you can see the different things that he preached and the King Follett discourse and the doctrine and covenants and all this other stuff kind of refutes that statement from Emma. So again, that's a, a little straw man that they like to set up. Uh, Joseph Smith was, a an uneducated, uh, local yokel that that couldn't have possibly written this book um but he had two teachers who two parents who were teachers um so he was pretty well educated by them and uh was very imaginative according to his own mother so we'll just throw that argument out right now joseph smith modeled the book of mormon after ideas and themes he stole from ethan smith's view of the hebrews Let's take a closer look. Let's do that. Okay, so in 1823, this guy named Ethan Smith, not related to Joseph Smith, published View of the Hebrews. In it, Ethan argues that ancient Israelites traveled from the Middle East to the Americas, and Native Americans are descendants of these Israelite immigrants. This idea was not exclusive or original to Ethan Smith. A lot of people actually believed this back in the day. But the concept sounds familiar to us because a similar idea is expressed in the Book of Mormon. And when you look at some of this stuff from 30,000 feet, sure, they are indeed similar. But when you actually read View of the Hebrews and the Book of Mormon, you see just how different they actually are. For example, Ethan Smith's Israelites are the lost 10 tribes of Israel that escaped the Assyrian captivity when the northern kingdom of Israel was conquered in 721 BC. They traveled to the Americas on foot through the Bering Strait. The Israelites in the Book of Mormon are from the Southern Kingdom. They leave Jerusalem just before Babylon conquers around 587 BC. They travel by boat to the Americas. So sure, they're similar, but actually very different. Both books also talk about the destruction of Jerusalem. But View of the Hebrews is referencing the Roman invasion in 70 AD, the Book of Mormon, the Babylonian invasion hundreds of years earlier, both of which actually happened. Ethan Smith's Native Americans bury an ancient book written on yellow parchment or leaves because they can't read and had no use for the book. 
I can't read. Shut up, Bugsy! Book of Mormon Native Americans bury the gold-colored plates to preserve them for future use. Additionally, many of the supposed parallels between the two books share a third common denominator, the Bible. For instance, the scattering and gathering of Israel is a major theme of both View of the Hebrews and the Book of Mormon, and also the Bible. The fact that both Ethan Smith and the Book of Mormon are interested in biblical prophecies and quote them isn't surprising nor concerning. At the end of the day, the claim that Joseph Smith stole ideas from View of the Hebrews suffers greatly from the false equivalence fallacy. For example, Anakin Skywalker was the chosen one, and Harry Potter was the chosen one. So Harry Potter must be plagiarized from Star Wars. You see the problem? Just because two things are similar in some ways doesn't make them the same. Now, there are lots of other parallels, but I don't want you to get the impression that these books are just a bunch of parallels. There is a ton of stuff that Ethan Smith emphasizes in view of the Hebrews that just doesn't show up at all in the Book of Mormon. In view of the Hebrews, continuing revelation is non-existent. Native Americans imitate the Ark of the Covenant and practice circumcision. The Book of Mormon doesn't teach any of these. Okay, we're going to stop for a second. One, he, he throws out the false equivalency fallacy, and this is just going to dismiss. But we just looked at Quaku's defense of the book of Abraham in which he used this exact kind of argument to prove that Abraham was book of Abraham was true because Joseph Smith has been you know people say that well there are these these other places where uh, these and he, he took the story of Abraham being um, uh, sacrificed on an altar and he goes the fact that there are other places in, in these books that, that weren't available to Joseph Smith at the time that talk about Abraham being punished because he wouldn't worship his father's gods um, in a furnace and but and that this these stories were in things that were available to Joseph by the way um, in other manuscripts but he throws out these ones the the chronicles of of Jeremiah and um, pseudophilo and uh, he he takes this but he says the fact that joseph doesn't get them exactly the same proves that it's true and now david is saying that if they're not exactly what uh came out of this other book then they're not true kind of thing does this do, do you kind of follow go back and watch the episode i did uh the other day on Quaku's uh um book of abraham defense it's a little long but if you watch that it's kind of the same situation just in reverse and so again it's not a plagiarized is where he's taking word for word but the comparisons and the the coincidences between the two can't be ignored they really cannot be ignored yellow cover colored plates or leaves um gold colored plates of course now it used to be they were gold plates when i was a kid there was no doubt they were it was these plates were gold now it's got to be some alloy because guys like bill mckeever um bring out their their uh simulation of what the book of mormon might have looked like and show that it's impossible for a young boy like even a young strong boy like joseph smith to run with uh, these plates because of the weight of them. On this issue, and we're going to hit this here in a second, 
I'm going to let him go on for just a minute longer. Um, actually, I'm going to hit this right now. So here he's talking about that in the view of the Hebrews, um, no new revelation. They built an imitation ark of the covenant, covenant and they practiced circumcision. And the Book of Mormon doesn't teach any of these. I've listened to them talk about, Kwaku did a, a defense um, back talking to a uh, an evangelist in Manti and how he was talking about the Book of Mormon um, Hebrews that were here, supposedly, Nephi and Lehi and his, his, Lehi and his family, um, practiced the whole of the law. Why do they not, why does the Book of Mormon not talk about or teach circumcision? Because these were Hebrews. They were um, descendants of Abraham who should have been circumcising. And they weren't. I want to know why not. Let's move on. These things, and in the case of continuing revelation, it teaches the complete opposite throughout its text. Now, to spice up this conspiracy theory, critics are eager to point out that Ethan Smith was a pastor in the same church that Oliver Cowdery's family attended. So, Oliver must have acquired View of the Hebrews, given it to Joseph Smith, and voila, the Book of Mormon. The only problem is that the latest record we have connecting the Cowdery family with this church is from 1818. Ethan Smith wasn't pastor until 1821, but even if Oliver did know Ethan, the historical record is clear that Oliver didn't meet Joseph Smith until 1829, after Joseph's translation of the Book of Mormon had already begun. There are several... But when Oliver Cowdery came in after that translation had already begun, there were 116 pages that were lost because, and I can't remember exactly who it was uh, now off the top of my head, um, late night recording, my memory is, is, is gone. Um, so we lose these 116 pages that have still never been reproduced and, and reintroduced, just 116 pages that were lost, and then we essentially start over because you've got to when you take the book of mormon and you look at it it seems to be pretty complete joseph said it was the most correct book of any book ever written how can it be the most correct book of any book ever written when there's 116 pages that are lost um yeah i i there's an issue there but it seems like it's a very fluid thing it doesn't seem like it's missing anything so there is an issue there, but then with Oliver coming in, it's almost as if it was a whole new story that, that created, was created. So there's, a, there's an, a question and answer that needs to be dealt with right there. Um, and again, it doesn't need to be that Oliver Cowdery brought the book. It, Joseph could have gotten it an, another time or another place or already had it. Or um, again, you mentioned that some of these things were widely believed during the time so uh the coincidental issues are you know could be could be partially coincidental could be that he read it uh from somewhere else um you know there's any number of things that that could account for it um but 
it is very likely. And as I was reading, um, Cowdery's family continued to go to that church while Ethan Smith was the pastor. So it's very likely that there was some connection and um, some influence in that sense. Other parallels from view of the Hebrews we could discuss, but here's what I suggest. If you read or watch something online that's got you concerned about view of the Hebrews, just read view of the Hebrews. Just read it. Find out for yourself if it's actually as incriminating as some people like to say it is. I'll put a link to it in the description. Oddly enough, it's been published online by none other than the Brigham Young University Religious Study Center, which I think shows you how threatened the church seems to feel about it. I put a few links in the description to further research about some of the parallels we didn't get to. There's also more info about the Ethan Oliver connection theory, and there's also more info on our website. Hope you learned something, and have a great day. So, um, I love the little end and mic drop kind of thing of, well, the BYU uh, Religious Studies uh, posted it, so we're obviously not threatened by it. This is, again, this is, this is one of those tactics where you're going, here, read it, here, do this. And, and, and the, the actual intent of that is to go, look, we're not worried about this. And we really don't think that you're going to go read it. I would say go read it, but it's hard to read. I've read through it. It's, I think it's about um, 200 and some pages, uh, 220, 230 pages, something like that. And it is really, really hard. Chapter three is the worst. Um, really long and just, it, it, it's kind of all over the place. Um, a lot of quoting of, of scripture and stuff like that. So, but the, the parallels are unmistakable. Um, and whether or not, I mean, yeah, there are some differences um, in the time frame and in the different manner of, of coming over to the Americas and so on. But again, the, the similarities can't be shaken that this was something that so many parallels, so many coinciding things that it's, it's hard to ignore. Um, again, both of them quoting a lot of Isaiah and stuff like that. Joseph Smith plagi the, the, the literal plagiarizing that Joseph Smith did, and I don't know if David will ever address it, um, I seriously doubt he will, um, came from the book of Isaiah. Over 13,000 words verbatim taken from the book of Isaiah, including King James Scholar mistakes that were made um, that have yet since been fixed, but mistakes that were made by King James Scholars that were plagiarized by Joseph Smith. Because he didn't know they were, were mistakes. If he were a prophet of God, don't you think God would have corrected those before he did the Joseph Smith translation? Which even in the Joseph Smith translation, those errors were not fixed. A couple of things to think about, just to reflect upon, to show that one, Joseph was not a prophet. The Book of Mormon is not true scripture. Um, and the Mormon church is definitely false and which is why we I am so uh, diligent about 
sharing these things because I don't want my deceived Mormon neighbors uh, to go to hell. So I want them to know that the true gospel of the true Jesus Christ um, that can offer true salvation. Uh, and in that, we have to go out and, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm -hmm.